0: what's going on everybody we're back with an episode of the real bodybuilding podcast this is episode number 42 and i am with mr patrick tour a world-renowned coach um i wanted to have him on because he's got a lot of great clients coming up and a lot of great pictures that we've seen lately and i want to pick his brain about why his clients look so good how are you sir
1: i'm fine thanks you flood and uh, again thank you for having me it's a great pleasure
0: yeah, no, it, uh, I've been wanting, I've been following you for a little while now and I keep seeing these client photos pop up and every guy looks more amazing than than the last. And I wanted well, to figure out, I wanted to figure out what it is that you're doing that is different than everybody else.
1: I have a great Photoshop and I know how to use Instagram very well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all, it's all the angles, right? <laughs> it's Exactly. I want to no, um, I want to show that while you while you're giving me your answer, I just want to show <laughs> I want to show some of the people um, your clients. So this is Patrick's um, Instagram page, and this is actually a local guy. But this is Nicholas. How do you say his last name? Wu Yu. Well, good thing I didn't try and do that. So uh, everybody knows him. He's a 212 competitor. It's just I feel like the fullness you get with your clients is very different than everybody else. So maybe we, can, maybe we can maybe we can start maybe we can start there. What is it that's giving your guys this really really round look?
1: Um, you know, if I would if I had a better insight of what other guys are doing, then maybe I could compare and I could tell you if there's something different. But I'm just trying to make sense of what we do, and uh, uh, maybe the only thing that I'm really um, trying to always make sure of is. Uh, that every athlete is trying to take in as many carbs as possible. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just a big believer in in the most amount of carbs that somebody can can really handle, um, you know. But at the same time, keeping a good shape and staying lean, I think the combination of the two and progressively increase that is uh, is probably what makes the difference. I mean, a full round muscle on. Uh, Somebody who has is pretty lean gives you that 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 full round looks. So I think that's probably one aspect that I pay much attention to. Maybe something else is is also trying to uh, minimize protein intake to the mm-hmm. least amount necessary. So carbs, my philosophy is more like the most amount possible, and protein is the least amount necessary. And and uh, when it comes to fats there too i'm just trying to give as much fat as needed for you know to keep up all important metabolic functions but really make sure it doesn't it's not used as for energy purposes or or any other uh metabolic need so i don't know maybe it's something to do with that
0: it seems like okay so you've opened up a a whole bunch of questions for me so so first if i gather your philosophy is extremely high carb the interesting thing is you're a very low protein so what exactly when you say low protein like let's use uh, your most popular client so let's say um, Ian Vallier, right Ian weighs what 290 300 pounds maybe 280 somewhere in there
1: um, right now is he is dieting so he's probably around 275 right now
0: okay so let's let's start at the beginning so if a client if a client comes to you before you can feed him this mass amount of carbs that you're looking at feeding him do you have to get them lean first or where do you start? Like, let's say the person comes to you and they're 15% body fat.
1: Um, it depends. Um, I, I It depends a little bit of what they have been doing and depends also what our goals are at the moment. Um, most of the time, that's what I like to do. Yes, is, is make sure we start on a, on a pretty lean physique. Some other times you're not able to do it because um, maybe somebody's coming in with a nutrition that is, you know, it's really not on point or has been doing a little bit of everything but nothing. So before uh, doing that, I say let's let's try to maintain where you're at and make sure your body uh, learns to use up carbs more efficiently. So it, it's not really a matter of body fat, but it's really a matter of, of, of the circumstances we find each other in, how long you have until a show and and really what the priorities are. Maybe somebody's coming in a break and hasn't been training well. Um, so you can't really say, okay, let's cut carbs. And, you know, training goes down the tubes and everything. So
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's, it's, for one thing, really, I just make sure they don't get fat. And uh, even okay. though they're maybe not in the best shape, straight training strength, training performance is very important. So if somebody's not where he needs to be, like for a professional bodybuilder, that would be our main focus is trying to get him back, you know, training well and getting the performance up in the gym. And then maybe the second phase, you would say, okay, now, I mean, we're working with an engine that is running pretty well. Let's also try to lean out at the same time instead of, you know, pushing the weight more.
0: Do you think, do you think the training, if, do you think someone can train hard enough to metabolize the carbs you're trying to feed them? So let's say, at, let's say somebody's running along and they're doing fine. Now Their training is up optimal and everything. What is like a gram per pound type of carbs you're looking at feeding somebody are you is it three grams, four grams, five grams per pound? What are we trying to get to?
1: Um, you know, I don't, I don't like to have, you know, specific amounts I want to get to because bodybuilding is visual. So it, and, and every, every bodybuilder, as you know, is different. And um, some people look round, full or performing well, maybe with two, three grams yeah. per pound. Uh, some other need and can't handle uh, five, six grams. I mean, it, it really, you can't say that's what we want to get to. Yeah. Um, we just look at what you do in the gym. We look at how good you look with that mm-hmm. and shit actually the purpose is not to eat as many carbs as possible it's just to see how high can you push it but but it's not trying to force anybody it's really trying to make the engine run more on carbs more efficiently and yes to your question training absolutely has an impact on how well and efficiently you are going to use up carbs 100 percent.
0: do you think a lot of the guys that come to you when you, when you get, cause I know you do training as well and we're jumping around a little bit, but it's still on the topic of carbs. When the guys come to you and they, when the guys come to you and they show you their training splits or their training programs or whatever they're doing, do you think, do you automatically have to increase it to be able to feed them more? Or are they usually doing what you expect of a pro bodybuilder?
1: Well, <clears throat> sorry. Sometimes, actually most of the time people are um, totally under training when it comes to the metabolic aspect of training, especially when you're talking like, like Ian or other large advanced bodybuilders. Um, At one point in time, strength becomes a limiting factor. So it is what made you the bodybuilder you are, but at the same time it's limiting now because you can't really improve it. So what I see most of the time, again, I'm not trying to generalize. It's not like Mm -hmm. everybody goes through the same process, but Yep. Most of the time, I see that um, the metabolic, more, more time under tension, you know, to use the name everybody knows, aspect of the training is far less, you know, part of their usual, their, their habits than what it should be. Yeah. You know, the more advanced you get, the bigger you get, the least important or the least, um, how can I say it, in training, the aspect of pure strength you know, an aerobic strength becomes less and less important. And the metabolic part becomes more and more important. So most of the guys that actually I've seen come through me, um, that's one aspect that most of the time we have addressed. Some other guys are doing it already. Some other guys are maybe, you know, incorporating some, uh, some more metabolic training, but they are giving it a wrong sense because what I see is a lot of guys just go through you know, saying, okay, let's increase time under tension by doing a lot of reps or by at the end of the training, you know, reducing uh, rest periods or something like that. Yeah. And that is all nice, but you have to give it a little more sense. I mean, you have to know what our body, uh, how our body wants to get adjusted to what we do.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: adjustment means a fuller, rounder look. And you have to respect certain rules, you know, certain mm-hmm. biochemical rules. Uh, that uh, a bodybuilder can't invent and most of the time guys are just you know throwing in everything like it was a big soup and, yeah. and really you know making sense of it so I'm just trying to take what they're doing and make maybe a little more sense out of what they're doing having a plan that's
0: okay so can you give me an example of how like maybe if we took a, a body part or or an exercise can you give me an example of how you would increase somebody's metabolic rate with training? Like what would, what would be something you would do off the bat? Like right away, this is something you're not doing. You need to add. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Well, usually what I like to do is just simply ask, okay, what does a typical training look like?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, what have you been doing, especially in the weeks leading up to us uh, getting together and then simply what you're trying to analyze is what I call training density. You know, a lot of guys are strong, they, they, they train full out. I mean, they give it all they got. And that's, you know, it's not me to teach that. Uh, those guys yeah. are champions because they are able to do that. Yeah. But so simply what you're trying to do is see, okay, what are your rest periods look like? Um, what, is your, what does your rep range look like? How much rest do you have between the exercises? How long does it take you from the beginning till the end? You know, from your first rep until your last set. Maybe sometimes it's sitting two hours in the gym, you know, doing chest. And they yeah. don't even realize it. Yeah. So we're taking that and we're trying to increase what I call density. So okay. we're trying to replicate the same type of performance, you know, the same types of lifts with the same weights. But giving it a time frame. Okay. Or, or simply start incorporating, you know, splitting up the training. Really stupid um, example. You're doing a three by ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, three sets, ten reps. Mm-hmm.
2: We
1: we'll take that and we'll make it three sets of four times five. For example, you make the three times ten a triple cluster set. So instead of doing, you're still using the the weight that you usually use for the ten reps, but out of one times ten, you make a four times five with ten. 15 or 20 seconds rest depending okay so out of, of each sequence you get 20 reps okay so
0: one second so 10. so if normally my one set for 10 reps you're taking that one set now and turning it into uh, a, four a four set times. a four a four times five cluster set
1: example just just you know so now head, so, something like that
0: so for that set now am i doing three cluster sets or one cluster set
1: well usually it also de- a little de- depends again goes back on nutrition depends on on how how good you can train how how, how much your energy level is so
2: okay.
1: maybe we'll start out with one cluster set the next week we'll put in two the third yeah. week we'll try to work out in three and that's already a progression in itself so it's a micro progression you know if you look over the big picture that's just one example of how you could do it
0: so you're adding volume but not but like methodically, like you're putting it in where you want to put it in and make sure that the person's burning more calories, burning more glycogen.
1: Um, volume is, is one, uh, yeah. aspect that you can call it, but then it also depends. Again, we don't want to stay in the gym longer. We don't want right. to, you know, make an hour training, 90 minute training or two hour training. that doesn't make any sense. It's just yeah. doing more stuff. So we're trying to take the weight that you're using and make it more efficient. Mm-hmm. trying to make sure that the information that you usually get from a one-time 10 rep uh, set is different because people have to understand that the, that uh, a muscle responds to a type of, let's call it information, stress. So what are you asking your muscle to do?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How What does the muscle need to be able to do in training? You decide that. So in function of what you tell him to do, he will adapt. And this adaptation is, myofibrillar growth on one part which is classical everybody know mm-hmm. and on the other is sarcoplasmic adaptation that means you know everything that's around your myofibril is at one point chronically fuller because you're able to take in more nutrients you're taking more also water yeah. inside the muscle cell you just need to nourish it better you just need to make a muscle cell hungrier okay. but in doing that we are not using less weight we're just taking that's an example, um, an error many people make is they try to, you know, work metabolically, but then the weight that they use drops drastically yeah. if they're doing so many sets so many reps. And that's not the point. If you have to work metabolically or improve that and you reduce the amount of weight that you use, you're going to lose on the other part. That's so right. you have to keep your strength because strength is what makes you, you know, the primary reason why you are big. So if mm-hmm. you lose that aspect of training, then in the long run, on the chronic response is not good. So you have to keep your strength, maybe improve it, but use it in a different way in order to get, to ask new adaptation from your muscle cell.
0: I understand, I understand. Is there, do you think you ever, are you ever getting to a point where guys are overtraining or getting injured or anything like that doing, because if they're doing more, I know that's not just volume, but if they're doing more intensity techniques or anything like that with the same weight they were using before, are you are you running into guys that are having any issues or no?
1: Um, actually I see the opposite. I see guys not having those issues anymore oh, Okay. because um, you have to understand the, the, the main problem of, of having problem issues like you're calling them. I mean you have to differentiate between um, like joints, ligaments, tendons, problems Overload over time or muscle, you know, little tears, micro tears, which don't repair over time. Mm -hmm. So, when you specifically, the most injuries occur because of little muscle tears. That's you know the biggest problem, especially in advanced bodybuilders. Yeah. So actually, working this way, uh, from my experience, is kind of bringing you away from that because you're not doing those extra force reps. Or when you get to the point where you fatigue so much, your ATP resynthesis is done. So your muscle contraction starts to really not be functional anymore. Mm -hmm. You're actually weaker than what you would be, you know, at the end of your set of six or eight. Yeah. So you're not damaging as much, you know, straightly. I mean, myofibrillar rupture is not so hard as it would be on a just straight traditional set. So I think that it's over time, it's better. And over training, um, I don't know. I like to, you know, Program also training volume and training intensity. So, I speak with my clients almost on a daily basis, seeing how you feel. And when we see that we get to a point where you know recuperation is not so well, Mm -hmm. we either just simply put in an extra day of rest, or the next week we'll just call it you know, come down with the training volume, go back to a more regular, low volume Mm -hmm. training. So, those are aspects you have to really look at on a daily or at least weekly basis.
0: So, what to figure that out. Sorry. So I wanted to ask you about failure. So in this technique that you're using and in this kind of training structure that you have, is training to failure part of your system or is it not because you're adding all these different techniques?
1: It can be a two. Um, I mean, training post-failure, you mean? Or just
0: to failure? No, I mean, well, both because... Because some people would, some people would add that uh, some people would assume that failure means even adding four reps with a partner, like helping you. And some people just assume failure is when I can't do anything, not even a not even a partial by myself. So, is either one part of your system, or is it not? Kind of how you feel about training is something you need to do. No, no,
1: I, I think it has to be. You have to sometimes, you know, go past your contraction, your full contraction capacity. Absolutely. Okay. It's just a question of have you do it every set in every exercise? Probably not, but there are periods where absolutely you need to maybe a period where focus is more strength mm-hmm. than metabolic work. You know, there was a, there there should always be a proportion in your training. How much is is tensional? I mean, pure strength, anaerobic work, and how much is metabolic? That's how you should construct the training. You know, how yeah. much of each, and depending on the period you're in uh, and what you're trying to obtain, also as a as a metabolic response, you 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 give each you know aspect of of training more or less importance. So when you're focusing more on strength, you're trying to get stronger. Also, in what you do,
2: yeah. then
1: absolutely if training to failure, negatives, uh, four reps, can and have to be part of your training regimen. Mm. Just it's just a matter of how much you know. Okay. An aspirin is good for your headache. If you take five, probably not. So the training is the same thing. <laughs> okay. One okay. set so it's, 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 everything can can be positive and can be negative. It's just a mm-hmm. matter of finding out how much of, of, of you're doing.
0: It's taken me twenty years to figure that out. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a slow learner because the first probably fourteen years of my career, I trained everything to failure. Like even my warm up sets were too many. Like it was, I would just do twenty or thirty reps of something. Like it was very silly, and. uh it actually took John Meadows to help me like kind of pull things back and learn where to put my failure sets in. So, uh, instinctually I think a lot of guys want to just go to failure. They think they have to go to failure on every set. Whereas now I realize that some sets are going to be low range to failure and some sets are going to be high reps and some sets are going to be, and it's okay to kind of mix it up like that. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. so going back to the diet portion of it, cause I'm still, I still have a lot of questions about that. I've always found that my best strength gains were with high protein, but you see your protein seems to, your diet seems to be built around low protein. So can you explain that a little bit for me?
1: Well, again, um, I'm not trying to generalize. I mean, I'm not saying that there are individuals oh, who I know. probably through deduction, you get to say, Hey, somehow, for some reason, protein plays a major role inside your metabolism. So, Maybe if you got to that point, it's just because the way your, your DNA codes to RNA it it gives that Excel expression. So sure. Maybe it's it's your genetics. I don't well, know.
0: can I just interrupt uh, you for once? Can I am sorry, I just want to interrupt for one second. So when I when we talk about these questions, let's just if we can go not so specific. Because I know obviously obviously there's gonna be people that are very are varying degrees of whatever, like like you said, some people are going to be like high protein people and some people are not. But in general, with your clients, like how many clients do you have currently?
1: Actually, I don't know.
0: I don't know. Okay, but you have a lot anyway. So, <laughs> I so what I, I guess what I'm saying is, um, generally with your clients, how does the low protein system work and how is it doing for your clients?
1: Well, I'd like to ask you a question, Floyd, if if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. Why would protein be because you said strength wise, right? You feel better in high protein. Yep. So what does it mean? How does an amino acid, you know, protein is made up of amino acids for the people who are listening to it?
0: Mm.
1: How can that have an impact on the strength?
0: Uh I'm not What well, is the role of protein? Okay, so I'm not a guru or a coach or a scientist. So all I can say is that my only evidence is anecdotal. And the only other thing I can say, if I want to rationalize it or try and justify it as to why it's helping, I would say it's helping me recover and rebuild faster. That That would be my only answer. Other than that, my answer would be anecdotal. I was doing eight ounces of protein for however many months I was this strong. When I moved to 10 ounces of protein, I got this strong. When I moved to 12 ounces of protein, I got this strong. So it's very anecdotal. I don't have a scientific answer for you.
1: So if you think you would take those 12 ounces, for example, using now and go back to eight, you would lose strength.
0: I don't know anymore because there's periods of time now where I do six ounces, but I'm saying back in, when I was in my prime, I just remember some of my best off seasons being off seasons where I, off seasons where I was eating, you know, four or 500 grams of protein per day, which if you, if you told somebody that now they would think it was crazy. Like if I said that to John, John would say that's yeah. that's way too much. You're you're way overboard. So, but at the time I was working with Chad and Hani and they had me eating tons of protein. And I did feel better. I mean, it could be a matter of age or whatever, but I remember being feeling stronger those off seasons where I was eating a lot of protein.
1: Yeah, but let you say it yourself. I mean, there was younger years, yeah. you were in your prime, you were coming up, you were evolving. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we have to pay attention to saying, oh, I used to do this and that's the way I felt. And if I would do it again today, that's how I would feel again. It's probably not. You know, the human body is something continuously evolving, changing. It's very dynamic. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult to say that that's what works for you because I'm pretty sure if you would eat today 500 grams of protein a day, especially from solid food, it would whack up just your stomach before it even gets to your muscle know yeah. those, those type of amounts but coming back to your question is i think it's just trying to be rational about everything also anecdotal i mean i i, I see in it you know on myself at the end of my career that's when i started getting to you know trying to give protein the right connotation but i see it on almost every athlete that i coach is just that in bodybuilding we have this um, mystic connotation that protein is this holy grail of, we need the more the better, you know You know how bodybuilders are. And if you, and I don't want to go too too much specific, but when you look at why we use protein, especially for bodybuilding purposes, you know, new protein synthesis, and you see how much you actually need, how many amino acids you actually need to do it in a, in a human body, even professional bodybuilder, you realize, shit, we're probably throwing in way more than what we need. Mm. The only difference with other um, macros is that protein we can't stock. I mean, bodybuilders, okay, they have more muscle mass, so they stock those amino acids in terms of muscle tissue, but it's not functional. I mean, it's not something the body does uh, of free will. It's not something we are genetically programmed to do. Mm -hmm. We are programmed to stock fat, you know, fatty tissue, because that's how we learn to survive in case we don't have food. And to some degree, we have learned to stock glucose carbs under the form of glycogen. Some in our liver, some in our muscles. But we know that performance—you know—when you when you train, the most important is to have enough glycogen um, to your disposal, and that's the primary uh, fuel of how good and how strong you can be. Not only strong, because, but especially how how efficiently long you can train. And for a professional bodybuilder, sorry, at one point, that becomes the most important because the more advanced you get and the least um, you give importance to just straight training because you know also today if you would try to train like you did 15 years ago with just heavy straight weight, you would just injure yourself. It's just not possible anymore. So there the carb becomes even more important because you need to still have an aspect of your prep which can give you the extra edge uh, in order to still keep growing or at least keep that full round muscle that you have built. And carbs are the only uh, fuel that actually can do that. Mm -hmm. So the more efficiently your body is able to use carbs, the longer you can train and actually make sure you get, you know, added stimulation to your muscle because the heavy weight is not, you know, is not in the equation anymore or not as much. Yeah. So if you can train more intensely uh, with a higher performance, maybe even for a longer time during your training, then that's progression. And that's how you can stay the way you are or even get better. That's why carbs for me are so important. And protein, we try to first make sure that your digestive tract is the least stressed possible. So protein is very hard on your system to absorb, especially if you do it for many, many years. Yeah, you know, every day two pounds of meat and fish and everything, it just takes your toll. Not only on a functional, structural base, you know, just because the stomach has a hard time, but on the enzymatic level as 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 well, it gets always more difficult for your intestine to make sure that those amino acids pass efficiently into the bloodstream. So, actually, it's something also to preserve, you know, over the years, making sure you're giving the least amount of stress possible, not only. To your body, as we know it as bodybuilders, but to your digestive tract, and be more, you know, um, longevity, longevity, longevity more yeah. longevity.
2: Yeah,
1: and and that's again, as you very well said, bodybuilding is not, you know, about you know learning on the books, but is about seeing on the field what is happening. And uh, yeah. I, I can tell you, I've I've gone extremely low with a lot of athletes. Obviously, it's not something you go from. Four hundred grams of protein to one hundred fifty in yeah. one day. It's something you progressively do, and on the other hand, you progressively try to increase your your carbs. But I've seen the best results also in terms of well being, how you feel. Yeah, you know, doing that. And another advantage is you you have is once you start prepping for a show, mm. you know, when you have seven eight hundred grams, and you are already pretty lean. I'm telling you, most guys just don't have a hard time seven, in shape. You
0: just seven don't. or 800 grams of carbs, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, go on. Most guys on so time. When,
1: so, when you when you'd start to diet for a show and you have the least amount of protein possible, maybe only, like I told you, 150 to 200 grams a day, you go into the prep, you start lowering just a little bit your carb sources, mm. your, your carb amount and at the same time maybe increase your protein a little bit, boom, you see your body react again. Yeah. Okay. It has it has maybe a caloric deficit, but at the same time, boom, extra amino acids are coming. So if you plan it that way, you just have a better control over your prep. That's I what I've just
0: been seeing. You're starting to convince me, but I'm not 100% convinced. I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost there. This is why. I'm going to give you... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to teach it's hard to teach somebody after 20 years to do something totally different i've been trying though like i said
1: absolutely i'm not trying to teach you
0: no 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 i'm i'm always <laughs> listen i'm always trying to learn i'm not one of these bodybuilders who's like thinks they know everything um but no because even like john's convinced me to go to six ounces but i have trouble because i'll be i'll be weighing my food and sometimes i'll put i'll, I'll put eight ounces just to, you know i think it's going to help but um the what i was going to say is uh, again you know in, something go ahead
1: Sorry, if what, um, something, um, a supplement actually that's ex- extremely efficient is uh, essential amino acids, yeah. especially those um, who resemble the master amino acid pattern, you know, almost very similar to human, the, the, the sequence we have in, in our human muscle. But essential yeah. amino acids can be a tool to start reducing total pro animal protein that you're using. Okay. For example, if you you're 400 grams protein per day, you start going to 300, but you add in a little extra essential amino acids, maybe to a meal or between meals, or just around the training. But you can compensate that because okay. essential amino acids, those uh, essential amino acids are the most important uh, catalyst for new synthesis, especially you know the the BCA is the
2: yeah
1: uh, leucine valines, so the leucine is very important yeah. to keep that mTOR high. So reduce your protein but up your essential amino acids again until your body gets you know into balance again. then you reduce your your total animal yeah. protein again and and keep those essential amino acids and do it over three four months time you will even feel a difference but all of a sudden you're eating maybe two three hundred grams more of, of, of carbs which yeah. you will be thankful for once you start to prep for the show
0: yeah do you think has have any of your clients felt any negative effects from lowering their protein?
1: Uh, It has happened to me when we have done it too fast. Um, when somebody, for example, was used to having, you know, those meals with maybe 10, 12, some guys even 14 ounces of beef. And then you go from there to, you know, six ounces, then yes, obviously the body goes out of whack. You, it doesn't know what's coming, especially because you're, you're, the way your body is, is able to absorb energy, especially, especially through gluconeogenesis. I mean, also amino you know, acids can be turned into, into energy. And if you have yeah. been taking way too much protein, that's probably something that has happened. So also the way your enzyme, uh, enzymes are set up, and say say that way in your intestines, is probably not ready to do that. So if yeah. you do it too fast, yeah, you can, you can feel, you don't feel well on it, especially also if at the same time you, you up your carbs too fast. They just go the wrong way. They don't want into your muscles. So yes, can it can be done too fast.
0: I wonder if that's... I think part of the reason why people like doing a high-protein diet and not as much with the carbs is because most people tend to get fat if they lower their protein and they increase their carbs. They Or even if they don't gain weight as far as gain fat weight, their appearance gets mm-hmm. softer. So yeah. it's very confusing for people to say... For you to say... You know, we're going to increase your carbs so much. Or we're going to lower your protein and you're going to look like Ian Valier. Because all, I'm just, like, I've, I honestly, though, I've, like when I look at your clients, even in the off season, they don't look fat and they, they, they don't even look chubby. They just look really full. And it's very confusing for people that, because, you know, people think protein is going to help them burn fat and it's not, you know, we're not going to store it as body fat. Whereas people know that carbs will be, you know, spikes your insulin, blah, blah, blah. So how do you, how are you, are you still in a deficit, but just cranked up the carbs or how are you keeping these guys lean? Is it just because their body's metabolizing, metabolizing everything so quickly that they're able to do it or?
1: Well, uh, first of all, Fouad, I, I think that we have to give credit where credit is due. And if you're talking about somebody like Ian,
2: mm. it's
1: not as much of what I do, but his crazy work ethic and genetics. So, I mean, you know, probably you, you anybody could, train Yain and he's still, you know, yeah. look Yain, he's just, he's just a freak because the guy goes into the gym and, and it's just a monster and when you tell him to eat five grams or something, it's five grams because yeah. he's, just, he's just a champion. So yeah. I would not put that on, on you know, my way of working only. It's just that he is a freak, period. Mm-hmm. But um, also with Yain, for example, in the off-season, which has been pretty, pretty long, We had periods where we said, okay, our body now, if we keep pushing the calories as we are, you you can see that the body is not, you know, getting better, you know, more, not getting rounder, not getting denser, but it's getting softer at one point because the calories have been a little too high for too long. So simply what we did is say, okay, let's cut back. Sometimes we said, okay, let's just cut by 50%, make it simple, the calories for one week. Sometimes we changed carb sources, or we kind of played around with when we ate the carbs. But we had, you know, those phases where we said, "Okay, now it's too much." Because, you know, weekly uh, updates we said, uh, "Performance is not going up. You're starting to look softer. Boom, let's cut back." So you you, you periodically do that. You can't be running on 800 grams of carbs for you know yeah. two years in a row. It just doesn't happen. Everything so in your body gets.
0: Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I, I just. So I know it's going to be specific to each person. So it's going to be hard to answer, but what, how often are you going to cut? Like if I'm doing 800 grams of carbs, right? How often am I doing that mini cut? And I know you're saying like, it depends on your training and your look and everything, but how often do those things come around where you're like, okay, we need to pull back now. Is it like once a month, once every two months? Like,
1: I I would say averagely probably every between five to eight weeks on, on a very good, you know, uh, genetically, Um, how can I call it? Just, just a good genetic,
0: genetically blessed bodybuilder blessed person. Yeah.
1: And maybe every three, four weeks on, on somebody else, probably have to do that.
0: Okay. That's see, that's really good information because I would have never assumed that, you know, with somebody with, I'm going to take somebody with average genetics because most of us have average genetics. So I would have never,
1: you can't say you have average genetics. What?
0: Yeah, I have, (laughs) I have average genetics, right? That's what I, that's what we I think. We
1: have a different opinion. We have different opinion on average <laughs> genetics.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I okay. Regardless, my point is uh, I never assumed that somebody would do a cut or or pull calories back at least once a month. So that's good information to know because most people think of a mini cut like every three months or, you know what I mean, something like that. So if I didn't realize that you might have to do it that that often, you know what I mean? So that that could help a lot of people. Oh, yeah trying to set up their diets.
1: Sometimes you have to do it because um, you see the body is not giving you positive feedback anymore. I I would say at least half of the times you have to do it because uh, appetite is just not there anymore. Because we're talking about a lot of food and I'm not somebody who is going to give you shakes or, uh, you know, liquid meals to make up for the calories. I think that's so bullshit. I think your body needs to learn, you know, to, to, to digest, to absorb these nutrients and, you can't tell me that a weight gainer, even though the macros are similar, is same as eating you know, salmon steak or, or rice and some can, veggies.
0: Can you explain to me why? Because I get that question a lot. People want to know, and it might be better coming from you because you know, you're know you a coach and an expert. Why, why would... Tell me why drinking my whey isolate is not as good as me eating a chicken breast or eating a steak.
1: I didn't say exactly that. Um... There are times where drinking a whey isolate is more beneficial than eating a steak. For example, oh, okay. in, in post-training, post-training yeah. when you, when your protein requires, especially amino acids, essential amino acids are very important and need to come in your system uh, faster because you need to stop protein degradation from the training. So, there, an isolate or hydrolysate or essential amino acids are in no doubt more efficient than, than eating a steak. Absolutely. Okay. What I'm saying is I see a lot of guys sometimes I can't eat the calories that my coach is telling me. So I'm just gonna add some weight gainers to it or yeah. eat some peanut butter or you know just any fat just to crank up your calories. And yeah. that just doesn't work. I'm saying just that you can't, you know, make up for the calories you can't really eat and absorb mm-hmm. through regular food with just some some supplement some weight gainer or some some but, peanut but can,
0: butter or But can you tell me why? Like let's say let's say after post training. Let's say let's say it's meal 6, right? I used to do this a lot myself. Let's say it's meal 6, it's late at night, you don't feel like cooking, so I'm like okay, I'm going to have whey and a scoop of peanut butter. I'm going to blend it up and that's my last meal. Why is that um, not as not as good as And I I agree with you, by the way. I'm not saying I disagree with you, but I'm trying to get an answer for those people that are listening that don't agree.
1: Well, I think you have to make a difference between is that something you do every time, you know, over a long period of time or something you do once in a while because you're running late or because you you had to, you know, put a few meals together and your day is just screwed up. So if you're doing it because of that, you know, in, in the short term, I don't think you'll see any difference. So mm. absolutely, you know, one night you're not hungry, you're stressed, and I a shit, I don't feel like cooking, I'll take my way, and my almond butter, no problem. Mm. But if you do it on a regular basis over weeks and months, it just not – your body, first of all, does not have to um, work the same way in order to absorb those calories. So the work your stomach has to do, your intestine has to do, the way it impacts your calorie expenditure. Because every time we eat, our body has to actually work to digest and absorb and, and we use up calories to do that. So what I, I usually like to call it body getting stupid, that means if it's too easy for it to absorb a very mm-hmm. nutrient rich dense nutrient too easily, your okay. body gets what I call stupid. and. Is less functional to what the when actually needs to use, you know, digest and absorb the real food. Then you also have to look at what type of minerals, vitamins and other um, mac- micronutrients are containing what you eat. Yeah. It's just not the same if you eat you know, 200 grams of beef
2: mm.
1: to drinking away isolate. Again, it's not the same thing. So mm-hmm. if you do it once in a while, you won't see anything. Actually, it may help you in this case.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: if you do it regularly, it's just not the same thing. And I always say bodybuilding, especially, you know, at, at your level, at professional level, is about paying attention to details. Yeah. Make, you know, you're investing so much. Um, so much of your life or your passion goes into this. Make sure everything is 100%. Don't run at 98% mm-hmm. because it's just – it it. It psychologically makes a difference, and in the long term, it just also makes a difference of the type of bodybuilder you are on stage. And I know this might sound a little corny, but paying attention to details and making sure your engine is running exactly the way it needs to be is allowing you to do a lot of less of other things that are actually impacting negative your, your bodybuilding career, it's like the amount of drugs you have to use, um, the performance in the gym. It, it's, everything is correlated yeah you know, there's bodybuilding isn't just about eating and training it's about so many aspects of your life that have to inter, interact with each other and if, if somewhere there's a little chain that is broken little you know piece of the chain it's just not functioning the way it does yeah. I And mean, that's
0: just my opinion no it makes sense um so we got the carbs and we got the protein now one of the things you said was you don't add any dietary fats so you're not adding extra fat like avocado olive oil no, peanut no. butter. Or are
1: you? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to have a certain amount of, of essential fatty acids in your system. Absolutely. Okay,
0: good. Okay, good.
1: What I'm saying is I'm not using the fats to amount where it is not used for metabolic purposes. Let's say it that way. Okay. I mean, for, for things like insulin sensitivity to, to inflammatory process in our body, we need essential, amino, um, essential fatty acids. So, yes, I do put in the avocados, sometimes almond butter, olive oil is very rich on on Mm omega-6-9, fish oil, uh, use salmon sometimes, some macadamia nut oil is rich in polysaturated fat. So, yes, I try to make sure the essential fatty acids are all balanced out with exactly the sources you said, but not to a degree where it impacts caloric expenditure. It's not there to give you extra calories is there just because our body needs them to function properly
0: so i usually do about 15 grams of added fat so i'll do like uh if i'm gonna add fat for yeah per meal i mean not all of them maybe even like my pre-workout meal i usually don't add any fat because i don't like to be bloated when i go to the gym but um but if i am gonna add fat to the meals and it's usually most of them I do about 15 grams. So that's not going to be enough to slow me down, right? But it's enough to give me what I need. Is that kind of what you're talking about?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm talking about. Okay. Maybe 15. For me, for example, in the perfect scenario, I'm not saying there are athletes who who I Coach who are doing something similar, but the perfect scenario is probably more like between 40 and 60 grams added fats a day so yeah that would be a little high on my side but Mm -hmm. i don't know how much carbs you're eating so if you're somebody who can't eat you know a ton of carbs Mm -hmm. and um, somehow you you'll have to balance it out again but i'm not talking about a perfect scenario perfect scenario would be even less than that
0: okay so one of the questions i have too about the reduction of protein is something you touched on with the uh way people's stomachs are functioning in a healthier state are you seeing guys come to you with like a thicker waist that's being reduced because that's something like one of the reasons i considered lowering my protein was is that it's so hard for the body to process and i figured that might be causing some of my stomach distension it might allow me to work better with my vacuum and trying to bring my stomach down is that something you you've seen happen or
1: um, to some degree, yes. Um, I think you just have to make um, a, a distinction between chronic stomach distunction due to tissue growth, mm-hmm. or just you know momentarily bloating or, or fullness because you're eating a lot.
2: Yeah. So You
1: just have to make sure that that stay because you know somebody like you or any, any large professional bodybuilder can't go around it. You'd have to eat a lot of food. So after your fourth, fifth meal, I mean shit, your stomach is gonna be full and, and somewhat you know distended. Yeah. You just have to make sure that that comes from only the stomach being full and the pressure you have in your stomach and not make sure that it doesn't chronically translate to tissue growth mm-hmm. around the organs and, and, and around your waist. So sometimes I've seen athletes come to me, uh, professional athletes who had this distension you know to the front. Yeah. Where to some degree we were able to reduce it, but that's, we're talking about tissue growth there. So, you know, everything has to come in the equation, especially certain type of drugs that you use. Mm-hmm. The frequency of the meal is a lot. I mean, if you're eating six meals a day, you just have to probably cut back on that. Sometimes you'll have to do some fasting and it's something that, that you know, is a process that takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Just the time that it took you to create that distension, that tissue growth. You can't repair it in two weeks. It's something that you'll have to, yeah. you know, step back from everything and, and make sure over time it gets better. It's possible, but it needs patience and you need to, you know, go back to the drawing board sometimes.
0: Uh, Pat, how'd you get into, how did you get into coaching? And did you have a competitive career before? I don't know too much about your history.
1: Um, yeah, I was a professional bodybuilder. I won okay. the world championships, European and world championships back in the nineties. Okay, And, um, uh, Actually, coaching is something I have done since my first show. Really, um, I, I came from professional basketball, and um, I'm not going to, you know, bore you on the details. No, 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 I, it's I stopped, okay. I, I, I stopped playing because um, of contractual problems. Here, I was supposed to play in the A League in Italy, professional league. Uh, mm-hmm. I studied in the U.S. I went to Division One school in the U.S., and um, we had contractual problems. I could not play. And I said, fuck, screw it. Um, you know, I'm done with this.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I had started to weight train in, in the States because uh, mainly because uh, they called me chicken legs because I was so skinny and, you know, white, short, skinny, yeah. imagine on dd D1 playing ground. Yeah. Everybody would make fun of me. So I approached because um, we used to not do it in Europe. And I went into weight room and fell in love with it. And then once I got these contractual problems with, with the team I was supposed to play for, I I said, shit. And I went into the gym and then maybe sometimes two times a day because I was used to training so much. And then, uh, yeah. there was this this owner of the gym who, who told me, hey, you look pretty. I was very lean. I, was, I mean, I had no amounts of body fat on me. Yeah. And he said, you look good. You should compete. And I had no idea what, what bodybuilding was and what that is. And so said, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I started to train with him. And then um, after about four or five months, I saw him take a, a shot of testosterone and I was like, you know, fuck I remember I'd be like, shit, this is illegal. This is doping. This is like, Oh my God. I mean, yeah. I, I almost felt like crying at the time. I was like, shit. Man. I felt betrayed by this person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's always stronger than me and then and, and looking so good and not busting my ass, not growing a pound, you know, and like
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. shit. And, and then I start, I started trying to make sense of it. So I tried to learn. Before I did anything, I said, okay, what are we doing here? What is this? What does it do to me? And I started sorry, like, checking sorry, everybody.
0: Sorry, I just want to ask, how old, you were. How old were you at this time? Uh,
1: 22. Okay. 21 going to 22.
0: Okay, carry on. Sorry. I just needed a timeline. <laughs> yeah. So
1: that was 1993. Yeah. And um, I think like everybody, we started to, you know, a little on shot. I remember it was a Mexican preload. When yeah shit it was like uh, i don't know today to me it would look like a, a knife i mean <laughs> you could make a bi- you could take a biopsy with it it was so big and i remember doing it on my leg and i had like a, a sore leg for probably three <laughs> weeks so I said, and then i got very discouraged I said shit i'm not gonna be able to do this yeah. every yeah. week
2: yeah.
1: but uh, you learn and you anyway I, I slowly got into it this way and then i competed uh, in uh, June of the next year, this was probably October, November. I did the Swiss, um, what do you call it, um, Novice Championships. You know, for those okay. who never competed. Yep. And not having a fucking clue of what I was doing, I won the show.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And I actually never saw anybody pose besides the guy I was training with. You know, yeah. he was showing me some posing thing, and, and um, he made this posing routine for me, which was. I mean, I, I look like a robot doing it. And yeah. Anyway, I won the show and I was like, shit, I might be good at this thing. You know, I might be. I don't like this color stuff we have to put on and, and, and standing in the a, in a, in a posing trunks in front of people. I, I really didn't like that.
0: Is that you? Hello? Yeah, I'm here.
1: No. Okay. Is that you? Yep, that was me on the, on the right, yes.
0: Exactly. Shredded
1: yeah that was that was uh, 1999.
0: I'm sorry carry on with your story I just wanted people to see what you looked like.
1: Yeah yeah anyway and um, yeah and then I I, I thought to myself I know I'm pretty good at this actually and um, then that's how I got interested in bodybuilding and started to learn as much as possible and uh, I was probably the most annoying person on on the planet of the
2: earth you know, why the why earth. Why?
1: yeah because everybody who looked muscular and then like, gave me the impression they knew something i would question them i would call oh. them I would, I would bug them i mean I, I was a pain in the ass you know yeah and um and then at the same time for my first show there was this other guy competing in, in, a, in a, from another gym and he used to come to see what i looked like and stuff and after two, three times he saw each other, he started asking me for things. You know, he would ask me. I didn't have a clue clue what I was doing. Yeah. I was telling what I thought was good. Yeah. Because I couldn't listen to my training partner because he was pretty crazy. He had this Italian trainer at the time, but they were using so much drugs that I, I, I first of all, I could not afford all that stuff because yeah. I was still studying. I had no money, and said, "Shit, this is not for me." So I tried to find my own way, invent my own way. Yeah. You know, I just stopped. Uh, for example, diet, I, I just stopped eating certain type of foods. I was eating like a lot of fruit and I reduced the fruit. I would stop drinking milk and uh, all things like that. And I would get in shape, you know? Yeah, yeah. At yeah. one point, I, I think I was doing like three hours of cardio a day, you know, just wow. walking around the city. Like, yeah, but it's, that's how I thought used to do to get kegging, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And anyway, I, I started to train this other guy. And then this other guy ended, ended up winning the the heavyweight class and overall at the Swiss championships, you know? Mm. So here I am, I win my novice show. My, my, the, the guy I helped to train with no knowledge wins the overall. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just rational thinker. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't live in, in should be done or could be. I, I, I want to know what I do. But this made sense to me. It's like, okay, I won. He won and never won, has competed for years, and he won. He's listening to me, and the sense that I made of him is like, shit, I had to do this, you know? Yeah. yeah, So obviously he talks to other friends, Then other friends start coming to me, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm helping, you know, within a few years, I was helping all the guys in Switzerland who used to compete, and everybody would drive down.
0: So when you're so. helping, so you're basically self-taught, but the methods, yeah, the methods, the method, the methods you have now. So we're looking at we're looking at almost thirty years of coaching. Then, you know, 25, yeah, yeah. 25, 25 years. Yeah, so, 27,
1: 20 years.
0: so were your theories anywhere near where they are now? Then, or is it just like completely different? Like, were you always doing low protein, or is that something you learned over the years?
1: That's something I learned. Uh, okay. You you could not compare anything. I mean. I had no knowledge. I was learning everything. I was trying to make sense of everything, but then also back then learning was different than to today. I mean, we we didn't have internet, so yeah. when I wanted to read, like do research on on steroids, for example, I mean, shit, where would you find it? Yeah. So yeah. I had to go to university library, try to find some some uh, some work there. But then what you would actually learn there, especially you know. Uh, from the biochemical side you cannot apply to bodybuilding because there's yeah. nothing so it's yeah it's been a long learning process and I'm still learning and I will keep learning. I mean I'm, so, if you talk to me in t- 10 years I'll probably you know be doing things again yeah in, in an adaptive way.
0: So the methods that you have now where where did they start like what year did you start kind of honing them and like where did you learn? these newest techniques that you, that have made you so successful?
1: I don't, I don't know if there's a, a period in time, where you could say, it's just, you know, it's, it's just like,
2: a by progra- induction, a progression. You
1: know, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know where there was, it, there wasn't a day where I said, okay, we need less protein. Yeah.
2: And
1: it's just, you know, I, a lot of things I did on myself because you know I've always been a, a lab lab work on myself so at one point I, I I went from I was eating probably 500 grams of protein I was eating 400 grams of, you know meat at every meal of the day at the time I was eating wow. three cans of two I, I mean and I, I don't know you know you have this feeling of you're doing something not right yeah. but you don't know what it is yeah. and you start okay let's do this so I started to lower this and then Maybe, you know, just by sweet potatoes, give me this feeling. Let's try rice. Um, also with the drugs, you know, I would use certain drugs. I would feel this way, you know, like maybe let's try this other drug. So I, I would keep trying this stuff. And then with some athletes I was coaching, talking to them and said, let's try this. And, and over years, coaching probably over 500 athletes, I, you just get a sense of it. You know, you just get this, you know, again, it's not it's not a, the scientific study I base my things on,
2: yeah.
1: I, I try to make sense of it on a practical side. And then when I have, you know, the anecdotal results, like you say, then I go and try to make sense of it on the scientific side. I said, okay, I we're doing this. So what is science telling me that it c- can confirm this?
2: Mm-hmm. I like to
1: find confirmation in science, but I don't like to use science to figure something out, you know? Yeah, I, I yeah. use it to explain why I do things, but not to, to make things.
0: I got it. So one of the, one of the questions I have to ask you that I'm sure the listeners are all going to kill me if I don't ask is, is insulin part of somebody eating 500 to a thousand grams of carbs a day? Is it, is it something that um, only some clients use or is it normal for you? Or like, what is, what, how do you feel about insulin?
1: Well, the, the, um, that's a good question. I think, um, I still to this day find a lot of disagreement with the bodybuilding community in general, but we people call insulin the most anabolic hormone in the body and, and bodybuilders get kind of deviated in thinking by this by this mystic uh, connotation we give to insulin. Because yes, insulin is anabolic because it helps, you know, it, it stimulates cell surface to absorb um. Nutrients, especially glucose. So yes, I get that. That's why it's anabolic. You know, it it brings. But anabolic, to a bodybuilding point of view, for me, is increased protein synthesis. So, does it actually make your body grow when you take more of it? When somebody is has a normal insulin sensitivity, or a very good insulin sensitivity, um, does more insulin than your exogenous production, which is good give you more protein synthesis? And the answer is, and this is not my opinion, but the answer is yes, on an acute level. It means on the short term, yeah. On, I don't know if you can calculate it in days or maybe sometimes weeks, it has. Because the biochemical balance, especially hormone balance, is kinda out of whack. And you are screaming louder to those muscle cells and you're pushing harder into, you know, shuttling more nutrients into your muscle. But your body will simply react to it. Yeah. What you are trying is acute response of feeling bigger and fuller on the short term will actually be counterproductive kind of in the long term. Yeah. And if we talk specifically on new synthesis, new muscle tissue growth, you cannot. And actually, you can make it worse over the long run, mm. um, make it worse, if you keep using too high levels of insulin. I'll give you an example. If you're using um, post-training, 100 grams of simple carbs, a lot of guys do it, sometimes yeah. even intro-train. Yep. training um, First question you have to ask yourself is, why do I need that? Why do I need within 30, 45 minutes, have so many carbs in my muscle? First mm-hmm. question.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Second question is, I use insulin for it. That means that you're saying that your own pancreas with your insulin sensitivity, if you put in 100 grams of glucose, is not able to functionally shuttle those nutrients into your muscles, lower your blood glucose on an efficient level.
2: Yeah.
1: If you're telling me that, that means that you're either insulin um, sensitive or you have a problem with insulin production because any amount of, let's say, rational amount of glucose you put into your system and then and the question is is this rational is this logic is this necessary Mm. it is not necessary protein synthesis the the fact that our body compensates post-training anabolically is not something that you have to do acutely but you know over 30 45 minutes it's something that lasts for six 12 hours sometimes Okay. So in that period of time, you have to make sure that all the nutrients are, you know, transported or are being given to your body. Mm-hmm. That's it. If you're trying to go too strong at the beginning of this compensation, simply you're going to block and you're going to make sure your body will defend itself from, you know, keep doing it on a, on a more progressive way the hours that follow. So if you are trying to put in 20 I see 30 units of insulin constraining. Yeah. straining. Yeah. You are forcing that inside. But then what will happen is that the body will do that within two hours. Then your blood glucose will fucking drop under your knees. Yeah. And then your body starts reacting. And then when it shuts down and it does that in acute and over a longer period of time. So these processes can not be forced.
2: Mm-hmm. You can
1: not compare insulin to a steroid hormone. Mm-hmm. One is a you know, peptide, other one is a steroid. And you cannot say, okay, I use a lot of steroids, it does me good. I can use a lot of insulin, it does me good. Insulin is a very sensitive mechanism,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's mostly based on sensitivity. Yeah. It's like me and you are talking right now, and you hear me very well. Yeah. So my information is coming to me. If I start screaming loud and louder, do you hear me better? No, yeah. you don't. This information is still the same that I get to you. But over time, you'll become deaf. You know, how does your body protect this? <laughs> by 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 shutting down, by trying to defend itself from all this loudness. So you desensibilize s- you your earring capacity. Yeah. And that's exactly the same thing that happens with your insulin receptors. You can do it, you know, every once in a while. You can't force this. But we know that muscle growth is not... It's not something you have to measure on the short term. Everything you do has to be measured on the long term. How is your growth process? How are you getting better over the long term? Not just over two weeks. I can make you gain 30 pounds in two weeks if I want. Yeah, yeah. Is that something? Is that muscle growth? Can you grow so much tissue in this little time? Is that something you can sustain over time? No, you can't. This is just total nonsense.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's why I'm saying insulin. Yes, we can use it. Sometimes you have a reason to use it. You are, uh, you know, 130 kilos, that's like 300 pounds. You're doing a heavy, long, uh, high-volume leg workout. You need four, five, 600 grams of carbs in the hours post your training. Okay, you need them. It's not like you're saying, I have to put them in. You need them. There's a difference between wanting to do something and needing to do something. Yeah. So yes, post-training, what do I do? I give you five, six I use of insulin with the right amount of carbs that we need to cover that. Yeah. But make sure that your own insulin production is not covered by it. Okay. No. So,
0: so if the you do carbs
1: that you give...
0: Sorry, I just want to... So if you do a small amount of insulin, you're not interfering with your body's insulin. Is that what you're saying?
1: Less. To a lesser degree. Okay, I got you.
0: I got you.
1: For example, if you use a certain amount of insulin, your body will only produce the amount that is needed to stabilize and to lower progressively your blood glucose. But there's injecting the amount of insulin to cover everything and probably even more, or to just add in a little, you know, exogenous insulin, which will peak faster. Than you're in then your own insulin production. So yeah. kind of amplify I'm amplifying what I'm saying. You know? I got you. Yep. It's like me talking to you. And when I want to get a message across to you which is a little more important, I will emphasize my tone of voice. And that's sure. what I'm trying to do with my body. I'm trying to emphasize, say telling hey, I have depleted my glycogen levels by 30, 40% in my training. So what I'm trying to do is I'm simply hiring the you know the, the message that I'm sending my muscles say, hey I'm going to help you here. I'm going to be a little stronger here. But also this, you can't do every training, you know, systematically. So mm-hmm. maybe just choose those body parts where you have a harder time. Yeah. If you have weak quads or weak back and say, okay, let's do it. For example, for your quad training, let's give them a little, you know, extra anabolic push post training. But it's something that you have to, it's always a matter of how much and how long you do certain things. And believe me, there's tons of athletes using fucking crazy amounts of insulin.
2: Yeah. And
1: I've never seen them being bigger than people who are absolutely not using insulin. For yeah. example, you, you mentioned Nicolas you before. Yeah. He's a little you know, kid that I started 12. coaching when he was weighing a, yeah, 130 pounds when we started. We've never once used insulin. Never. And That's he has crazy. become too big for his class. So yeah who is the come and tell me yeah you need insulin to you know reach the Mr Olympia he was probably the biggest guy on the 212 stage that year he went to the Olympia
0: yeah when
1: he was you know battling with Hardy Hardy is mm-hmm. probably big you know Hardy's probably the biggest guy but yeah. there's nobody more muscular than Nicholas on on his height but we yeah. never touched insulin so
0: yeah i'm so glad i'm glad that. you said that because uh There's a lot of guys, especially younger guys now that I get this question from all the time that think it's absolutely necessary. And it's one of the drugs I hate the most. Um, I probably experimented a little bit with it when I was younger and it didn't do anything for me except make me fat. And it's like, I would always get the benefit. I would always get a benefit from it for a little while and then it would, the benefit would wear off and it was kind of no point in doing it anymore. Um, I really like your explanation about how it's very, very short. It's a short-term fix. I've never actually heard it put that way. And that's actually the, it sounds like it makes the most sense. But one of the things you did say was I I, I caught you saying about your, I don't know, anabolic window for lack of a better word. You, you kind of touched on the fact that it is the next six to 12 hours post training and not the immediate half an hour post training. Can you explain that a little bit for people?
1: Well, you just have to understand, we're talking about new protein synthesis. What does this mean for the people listening to this? It means that during training, we're actually breaking down tissue. And to some extent, we have what we call protein degradation Amino acids are, how can I explain it, are, are split up, are lost. And myofibrils are broken down. So what we're trying to do is our body, how it works is it tries to compensate from the stress by building a greater response in case you would do this again. So it's like, uh, it's like creating a defense. And, and this is muscle growth. You know, your, your muscle fiber gets thicker. Uh, we'll try to get in more nutrients because it says, hey, if this motherfucker is trying to you know, squat this weight again, I don't want to get broken down again because I have to repair myself. So okay. I'm making myself strong. This is new synthesis. And this process is not something that happens in one hour. We're talking about um, transferring information from the nuclei. Oh, sorry. I don't want to make you complicated. No, it's this, okay. This is just, it's just a cascade of, of, uh, of biochemical reactions that have to take place that, okay, post-training is very important, mainly to stop protein degradation. Yeah. Because if we don't eat post-training, uh, explained in a simple manner our body will try to keep breaking down some some amount of tissue because okay. it feeds on itself, let's say. So the first thing a body needs to do is to stop this process. Okay. And for that, the best way is amino acids, especially essential amino acids because they play a, more, a very important role in this biochemical process. And also with the can, help of can, a little amount.
0: Of, can I stop you there? Sorry to interrupt you. I just I have, a, yeah. I have a question up on that. What if, so my company has a, an intra-workout that has essential amino acids in it. How does, that, how does that work for the post? Like if I'm drinking an intra-workout shake, right? And it has 8 to 16 grams of essential amino acids in it while I'm training. Do I still need my essential amino drink after I'm done or is my body being fed while I'm training?
1: You probably still need a certain amount. The, okay. the, um, the question you have to ask yourself is why you're doing it in the first place.
2: Mm. And
1: I think, again, the, the important question is do you have a need for it? Yeah. Now, you're talking about yourself. You probably weigh, I don't know, 200, what, 90 pounds.
0: Well, yeah, 280. Your but advanced body. Yeah. Okay.
1: A large, very large bodybuilder. Yeah. You have very, how do you say it in English? sub physiologic, over-physiological amount of tissues on you yeah so it's not something the body is going to keep it wants to keep and your training the the performance you have in the gym is something your body is not programmed to do yeah so metabolically you are this superhuman ferrari who can run on just normal amount of fuel you can't everything has to be adapted so the probability that your intense heavy training is causing overall more damage Uh, to uh, somebody weighing 160 pounds and creating more need to protect that extra tissue that you have that is so genetically far away from your baseline that, yes, it makes sense to use, you know, little essential amino acids where probably the BCA play the most important role. Yeah. Because in training, we start stimulating this enzymatic process, which is called the mTOR, which torches, uh, which catalyzes, initializes an efficient protein synthesis. So use it for two reasons. One, to kind of protect yourself from higher amount of protein degradation. So, yeah. you know, breaking down um, amino acids for not training purposes, for in, in energy purposes. Yeah. Second, you are catalyzing this process through the extra leucine, which can help, you know, Make sure protein synthesis is on the right path once you stop the training. So okay. it could make sense, you know, that. And I usually do it with large bodybuilders that I coach. Um, so sometimes just out of habit of doing it, I have to be honest. Yeah. But I see good results with it. So okay. I've seen that using pre and intra essential amino acids, not, you know, going overboard. The no more is not better. But like yeah. you said, in the 10 to 15 grams range, Somehow, also the feeling that you have in training, which is not uh, not energy, more energy, but just the, the
0: longer it's longer it's, lasting.
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean yeah. It's, Maybe for some people who don't walk around in two hundred eighty pounds, it's difficult to understand how during the training sometimes you just you just after three four sets you lose it. You know, you yeah. just you're just pushing on empty gas, on empty yeah. air, and, yeah. and to some degree it helps that feeling. Absolutely. Okay, so has go, to do with other, yeah.
0: Okay, so going back to your going back to the window. So then, post training, whether there's an intro or not, you you're saying you need to have essential amino acids at least to stop the degradation. And then exactly. from and then from there, you said it's a it's a six to twelve hour proposition of rebuilding.
1: Exactly. I mean, maybe it's longer. I mean, we'd have to see you know studies on that, but um. I think usually the first two, three hours, you're trying to feel back what you lost. Usually that's a process. Then after your second meal, after your training with the proper amount of, you know, fluids and sodium, you start feeling the muscle coming back because you have this pump during training, which kind of defades, you know, over the next hour or two. Mm
2: -hmm. Then you
1: kind of feel lost muscularly and then nutrients start coming in. And after four, six hours, you start feeling full and then you feel your body. You know adjusting to what what you did so um, scientifically based on studies this process can last up to even more than 12 hours sometimes even longer depending on the size of the muscle and and the intensity of the training that you had but people have to understand it's not something that happens you know in 35 minutes nothing is built in that short amount of time so you need to Mm -hmm. make sure you have the right circumstances not just immediately but post training and overall I mean, we don't have to forget the most important thing is to create a positive um, nitrogen balance, we call, or just positive nutrient uptake. It means that your body is getting more nutrients than actually what you demand from him. And this, you can't calculate in just a post-window period of time. You have to calculate over a 24-hour period. That's right. That's when your body grows, and over a week period. you know, Sometimes you can have two, three days maybe, where you're in caloric deficit but if if you calculate it over in a weekly period you make an average of every day you're above caloric you know necessity or nutrient necessity you can still grow even if those two days are really shitty our yeah. body is not something you can manipulate on the on the minute level you know it's yeah. something you have to see the big picture of time so growth is something that you have to make sure it happens chronically over the long period of time and you can measure how successful you train, by how pumped the muscle stays two hours after training, but after two weeks, two months, and so
0: forth. Okay. that's a, I feel like I'll, that's very, very important for people to hear because I think there's a lot of guys out there that will put so much emphasis on the post-workout shake and then they kind of fall off at the rest of the night. And basically what you're saying is, the most important part, I mean, it's all important, but it sounds like the most important part is two, three, four meals after training is when the, you know, the rebuilding process is really taking place. So exactly.
1: I mean, yeah. it takes time. And then, you know, the people listening to us also have to, to, to understand what type of, of car are they? You know, yeah. are you a 150 horsepower car or are you a 600 horsepower car? Mm -hmm. So for a professional bodybuilder like you to pay attention to these exact moments where we can manipulate how our body responds is extremely important to where somebody, you know, picking up bodybuilding in his first year and trying to get big, it really doesn't matter that much. Most important is that he gets enough food in over the 24-hour period Mm -hmm. and enough rest. And if he doesn't have a shake immediately post-training, it's not going to make any difference. Yeah. the more advanced you get the more efficient your performance is then yes these times these things can make a difference between you growing or you not growing
0: i need to ask you this one i won't keep you too much longer because we've been on for over an hour now but i wanted to ask you when you say carb sources when you're feeding your guys that much carbs like 500 to a thousand grams what are your is it are your favorite sources dependent on the person or do you have sources that you think work best with guys?
1: No, I don't, I don't think they are, I have sources which I prefer. It's usually something that we see over a period of time. Maybe we start with more rice and have some sweet potatoes, have some oatmeal, have some cream of rice. But then with time you see and you ask, hey, what are you digesting better? Where do you feel better? Mm-hmm. And you just kind of find out you know, what works best. Let's say this way, I prefer variety. And yeah. people also have to understand this, the more variety you can give to your meal plan, the better it is, especially for efficiency of the nutrient uptake due to enzymes are are necessary to to, abs- to help you absorb these nutrients. So don't try to eat, you know, two pounds of chicken a day only. I mean, it can work, but It will start giving you trouble with time. So the more variety you have with food, and that's with carb sources and protein sources, then the better it is. So sometimes what I like to do is give choices. For example, the first meal you can have either so much egg whites or so much steak, or maybe egg whites and steak, or then you can have cream of rice, or you can have, I don't know, gluten-free oats, uh, or just rice, and for your second meal, same thing. Mm. Or maybe two hundred grams of chicken or three hundred grams of fish or rice or sweet potato potato, just trying to keep the macros yeah. the same and yeah. let you feel what you are hungry for that 's also one good thing if if you know some days you just don 't feel like eating rice you just don 't you 've yeah. had it for so long and you say shit, but if you haven 't eaten it, then it 's not good so yeah. if if in every meal maybe you have two three times rice, two three times potatoes or sweet peas, it just Makes you, it helps you say, okay, I know what I feel better with. And some days you can say, okay, today I'm only gonna have rice, yeah. or I'm gonna have rice instead of potatoes. So have the same macros, but learn to choose from whatever you feel like doing. Maybe you don't have time to cook, and you just use the, you know, the microwave rice. Boom, put it yeah. in. Yeah. But if on the diet I have 400 grams of potatoes, then shit, you fuck. So yeah. give <laughs> choices.
0: Good Good you, do you do a lot of fruit or no, no fruit?
1: A um, little bit. We, fruit can be beneficial to some extent, but you have to understand fructose is a monosaccharide, which is only metabolized in liver glycogen. So yeah. it doesn't really help your muscles, but then some fruits bring with it other type of nutrients, especially vitamins which can be important. Um, bananas, for example, enzymes, bananas, yeah. For example can be important uh, uh, as a good potassium source so sometimes I like to put in a banana maybe some blueberries or strawberries um, but basically it has nothing to do with calculating as a carb source because you don't only you know finish in your liver and not in your yeah. muscle tissue
0: so it's more for it more, more for micronutrients is what is what you're looking exactly at. okay so exactly. what about what about and, and this is I'm I'm not going to go too far down this rabbit hole, but what about things like, I know a lot of bodybuilders when they're trying to reach a certain carb count will add things like applesauce or fruit juices or um, lots of dextrose maybe pre-intra, post-training or not dextrose necessary, but some type of carb powder. Um, What about these types of things or any junk food? Like what do you do with cheat meals? Are you a cheat meal guy or not a cheat meal guy? Like how does that work? No, there
1: there again, I I think... People should look at the facts and, and, and stop, you know, living in this, I would like to be like this world. Um, at the end of the day, um, when you eat something, from your intestines into your blood, you have three main things going. You have glucose going in your blood, you have protein amino acids, peptides going in your blood, and you have fatty acids going in your blood. Mm-hmm. Now, you only have to decide where these three things are going to come from. So if somebody's gonna come to me and say, "Oh you need a cheeseburger or you need pizza or you need i'm i'm sorry i I may get you know close to too many people, but this is total bullshit it just it may give you five minutes of satisfaction because you're mentally weak and or because you need to go out and have some food with your girl or whatever i mean i get I get that you need a break because you're not mentally tough enough or You're not serious enough, and you need to get a break from the monotony. Okay, get your junk food. But don't come and tell me this is better for you, this is going to help you, because it's just not. If you need more calories, I want to know where they come from. So they're going to come from a specific carb source, they're going to come from a specific fat source, and a specific protein source. And that's all your body will recognize once it gets in your blood. Obviously, the impact it has on your digestive tract and on your insulin output is very high so sometimes you eat some or high sodium you eat a burger the next day you wake up and say oh shit i feel full of this burger oh, i need this cheat meal shit it has nothing to do with the burger. it just has to do with you know you ate more sodium you probably drank less or maybe even had a beer with it or something like that yeah so it, it, it it's you know again it's this short acute response that people associate with oh i did cheat meal cheat meal equals more <laughs> muscles it's, it's, it's so, just not so, like that
0: okay so all right let's finish the cheat meal conversation before we go because i want to ask you about like uh carb powders and stuff like that but you don't think you don't see any benefit other than a mental benefit to adding like one cheat meal a week or two cheat meals a week or something like that i'm not talking about i'm not talking about during a contest prep I'm talking about like in the off season, right? Your guys, they don't have like a day off or a, a meal off or anything like that.
1: Um, no, no, because again, it, it's, it just doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> if you, if the cheat meal is giving you something positive, yeah, it means that you were, you weren't in an optimal situation. If you go out and have pizza and beer and the next day you feel better. It, it because you needed it. That means you made a mistake before that. You weren't having enough mm, calories. Or you were you're having not enough sodium. It's just it's just compensation. What mm. you know. So if something is missing and you throw in something, okay, maybe you'll feel better. But again, what does this feeling better really come from? Do you need it? If mm. if you're eating enough calories, you have enough nutrients in your system. It's like you you're, you're what, not going to need it.
0: What about a mental refresh for your client? Because, I mean, like, I get that. And because like, let's say for example, I'm going to give you an example because I'm I'm a cheat meal guy and maybe it's because I'm mentally weak. I don't know. But so I have a, I have a, I, I'm married and my wife likes to go to dinner. So if I say to you, Pat, you know, Saturday nights, I got to take my wife out to dinner. Do you, you know, can we throw in a cheat meal that night? That's, you, you think that's not called for other than for mental reasons?
1: No, no. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just had yesterday a professional athlete telling me that, hey, can I have, you know, it's my wife's birthday. And I said, shit, sure you can. Absolutely yeah. no problem. Yeah. But there's a difference Fuad, between saying you systematically need that because it makes you better bodybuilder. Uh,
0: okay, I see what you're saying. And,
1: you know, it's like I'm saying, hey, Fuad, you know, once per week in your leg lect- your lect- training, just, just jump around. <laughs> you know just do a lot of jumps and and or walk up the stairs for two hours you, you'll you feel pain in your legs the next day or right? you would be fucking sore as hell you would say hey you, you're fucking nuts or, or crazy what you're telling me to do <laughs> yeah it's just once per week you know i'm just saying to jump around you'll still be sore the next day you're still yeah. it just doesn't it. make sense
0: i got it i got it okay that so makes
1: sense you, you need a cheat meal it's not i'm saying hey you don't need to cheat meal it's gonna make you bad no it's just You don't, you can't come to me. I have a scientific mind. I've studied molecular biology. You cannot tell me, Hey, a cheeseburger is going to be better than a steak and and baked potato. You just can't because now if you tell me, Hey, I've been, you know, on a diet for two months straight, eating the same things every day. Um, I feel tired of it. I need a mental break. I will say, Hey, you know what? Sunday, don't even look at what you eat. Don't even count what you eat. Go do whatever you want.
2: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. But it's not because it's going to make you better bodybuilder. You
2: know, yeah, yeah. Physically.
1: It's just I because, you. hey, you have been really on top of things. You're low body fat. You've been training like shit. Sure. It's going to do you some good. But mm-hmm. up here, you know, it's not, not something I can. Yeah. And, yeah. and I know a lot of guys have problems with me because I don't give them. And for some mystical reason, a lot of guys when they want to work with me, they say, hey, do you give cheat meals? And <laughs> and in in that moment, I'm like, you maybe not work with me because yeah. if that's the biggest concern that you have is it's not going to work. You know, it's just like you're a professional bodybuilder. I am a coach. I'm here to make sure that you get the most out of your money. So I cannot tell you what is not good for you. I have to tell you what is good for me. And if any coach tells you, hey, you need a big cheat meal because it's going to make you metabolically better, it's just not true. It's just not true. And if it does
0: What if I came to you and said, Pat, I want to work with you. You sound smart as hell, but I need need one meal a week to just do my own thing.
1: I say, first of all, you're a big pussy. And then the (laughs) second thing, (laughs) yeah.
0: OK, OK, go on. What was the second thing?: <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I mean, I'm being honest, I say you're a big I like that. Yeah. I, I would say, look Floyd, You're at the end of your career.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you have many physical you have had physical problems, injuries, shit. I yep. said, I want you not at 99 percent. I want you to 100 percent. I want If you really want to step on stage again, I don't want to even think that you did something that is not good for you. I don't care about your mindset. I don't care about your wife. I don't care if you're happy or not. I just care that the next time you step on stage, you look back and you said, shit, I did everything to a fucking hundred percent and I could not have done it better. Is the hamburger gonna make, you know, practically make it different? Probably not, but it does to me because I'm not the person who is here to make you feel good. I'm here to tell you what is best for you. Is a hamburger best for you? No, you still want to eat it. I don't give a fuck. Really. You know, it's just, yeah. you are not going to hear me say, yeah, sure. You know, this is going to make you you'll be so much bigger tomorrow. No, do I'm you, not going to do that.
0: Do you, uh, do you find yourself having to stay on top of your clients or do your clients all, are they all pretty like honest with you and they kind of focus on their own shit? Or are you one of those coaches that, you know, you're texting on a daily basis, say, Hey, are you on your shit? Are you stay on top of things? Like, where is that? How does that work? Are you, are you, do you have guys like that, that you have to stay on top of?
1: Um, mo- most everybody, let's put it this way. Most amateurs I work with because I work with a, a lot of amateur and upcoming guys and, or just normal guys who are not, you know, this, this, this famous genetically gifted athletes. I would say they are the most disciplined because yeah. they pay they pay me first of all, they pay me a lot of money. And it's in their interest that they they get back to me and I rarely have problems with that. Now when I work with with a, a high, let's say high profile professional bodybuilder, which I really only do if if I if I feel I can make a difference. You know, I mean, yeah, you have athletes who have trained under many good, very famous coaches, and they come to me and I look at what has been done and, and sometimes I have to say, you know what I I I would not know what I could do to make you better so no thank you it's yeah, just, yeah you know I'm trying to be honest but I'm very lucky I have you know some very good young bodybuilders who still have room for improvement and you can ask them yourself you know some of them I usually am stay on top of things it depends on the personality that I had that they have sometimes I know update is due on Friday. I'll, I'll write on Wednesday or Thursday, you know, just to make sure. Yeah. When it's contest prep, I'll, I'll write, maybe not on the daily, but every other two days, sure. just to make sure they know I'm breathing on their neck. And um, some athletes, it just somehow works that way. I, I write twice a day.
2: I have <laughs> right. Professional
1: athletes where it's good morning and good night. And, you know, how's the training been? And I just want to know because uh, I don't know. It just, everything started that way with that type of communication. So I just yeah. like to keep it up. And I'm yeah. um, very passionate of, you know, sometimes you start working, like started working with James uh, probably five, six weeks ago. And um, I don't know. I just feel we're on the same level with things about everything, not just bodybuilding. You yeah, know? yeah, Sometimes you talk about any bullshit that comes to our mind. Yeah but um I just like the way we we started things you know I I feel I have, I have 100% control I know what he's doing because I know he's so so disciplined and so yeah so focused and 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 it's just for me not to to lose control and and I'm just very passionate about the progress and so I get on his ass every day probably it's just yeah, yeah. you know I'm trying to make it look very nice but uh, I'm just trying <laughs> to to have him accountable for, yeah. you know, stay accountable for things. So it, it really depends on what relation you have with, with the yeah. clients, but mostly I, I like to check up on things if I don't hear from.
0: Them. Yeah. Um, just the last question before you go carb powders, how do you feel about them? Cause I know you're a high carb guy, obviously. So do you feel like when guys add, like I have carbs in my intra, not a lot, just a little bit, just to shuttle the essentials and some of the nutrients, but, um, some guys I know do up to like 50 or 100 grams pre and intra, even without insulin. Do you feel like carb powders are necessary or not necessary or depends on the person or where's your thought on that?
1: Um, I think most of the time they, are, they can be helpful post-training more than intra and pre-training.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like highly branched cyclodextrin or Vitargo, just just that type of carb can be helpful immediately post-training in some type of situations. Um, Or sometimes, I'm not a big intra-workout glucose coach. I just I I really don't see the need for it unless, sometimes I use coconut water, pure coconut water sometimes for the little amount of carbs and for the potassium. But I like to have like 45 minutes before the training if I know the guy needs carbs. So 45 minutes before training for example, we'll just have toast and honey or 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 rice cakes and jam for example you know so that will take a little time by the time you start you know getting into a training it will be in your blood and your insulin will be a little higher but post-training yes um highly branched cyclodextrin 30 40 50 grams sometimes depends but rice cakes and jam will do just as fine
0: okay okay um, is there anybody or anything you want to say before we go? Any any, any message you want to give to people kind of before we head off? Any words of wisdom you want to give to some of the guys coming up?
1: Um, well, if you ask me, I'd w- take the opportunity. I would just, um, I just try to encourage people to learn about what they do. Uh, not just take everything they that, you know, anybody tells them to do or they heard or they seen try to replicate it just without understanding what they're doing. And I encourage people to ask questions um, because I think if you are aware of why you do certain things, you will be much better in doing them.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: you are able to make sense of why you do certain things, and that's true for nutrition training and the drugs especially, Yeah, is the better is not, the more is not better. And please, please, Make a difference between bro science and, and real science. Try to understand why you do certain things. And if you don't understand them, don't do them.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: most of the time, it's better to not, it's more important what you don't do than what you do. You know, if you are not able to make sense and some things don't, don't just add up, ask or try to learn why you do. them. I would like to see more bodybuilders know why they're doing certain things and understand the process but not you know sometimes when i see people explain things they start on a, a little truth yeah. and then all of a sudden they get your attention or they use certain words and then all of a sudden they go into these weird science kind of adjusted and i think of i have done and he's big science you know
2: yeah 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 so, <laughs> yeah,
1: and just you know be, be smart. The whole bodybuilding community, if we could be a little more knowledgeable about what we do, and there's a lot of guys out there who, who are spreading knowledge about training, nutrition. There are a lot of good guys. For example, John is one of those. Mm-hmm. I don't know him personally, but he's one of those people who makes sense of what he does, and he can. I'm sure you will confirm he can always explain why he does certain things. Yeah. You know, for We the, need more people like that. So For the,
0: for the most we, part. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. For the most part, I, I just I, I want to. I, I'm sorry. I know I, I wanted to sort of interrupt for one second. Do you think there's ever a period where um, the bro science is not explainable but works?
1: In um, in acute situation, I mean in 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 short term situations,
2: hmm.
1: you know, you, it can cause certain reactions which. Hmm you know, make you believe, a oh, shit, this is good, this works. Yeah. But again, bodybuilding is, is not a 100-meter sprint. Bodybuilding is, you know, if you run 100 meters, it doesn't tell how good of a runner you are. Yeah. You need to do it 10 times over again. And if 10 times you are able to run a certain way, then yes, it, it probably starts to have some truth to it. So don't get carried away, that, you know, with this 20 pounds in the two weeks or or I feel good, so it's it's right, you know. Sometimes yeah. even in medicine, you, you give the wrong drug and, and you feel good and you don't, your headache is not there anymore. I mean, you you can do an anti- antibiotic treatment and your headache goes away and it's not bacterial. So, you know, it's not because you've done something that it's it's right. Just yeah. If if you can't explain it at one point, even if somehow it, it works, I'm still a little scared from it. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I got you. If you if you would have heart surgery and, and would you go to a doctor that that? excuse me it's okay are you there yeah and yep. um, you you have heart surgery I'm, i mean i'm
0: exaggerating i know
1: would you go to a doctor that says yeah sometimes
0: it works if he said sometimes it <laughs> it depends how many sometimes was
1: I mean, I wouldn't go if, if you said it, it never, I mean, it worked one time.
0: No, not no, one not, time not one work. time. But if you went to somebody and they said 70 out of a hundred times, this works, but I can't explain to you why. Because those are the situations I'm talking about with John. John has actually said to me, and I can't give you an exact specific right now off the top of my head, but there have been conversations we've had where he has actually said to me, look, I actually can't explain to you why this works, but this." works and i i have been in the same situation where i've said that to people before so that's kind of why i asked is there ever a situation where you think this thing in the gym i did worked but i can't necessarily back it up with science
1: yes yes i mean I'm, i, I give you that one there has been situations yes
0: okay so there are some if not
1: there are some situations yeah. where maybe not that. You know, the most important fact is not that I cannot explain, is that what I thought would happen did not happen. Okay. So what I what I think I can explain did not happen the way that you know I yeah. saw it. But the the times that happen is because of our genetic differences. Yeah. You know, you, you have average yep. and then you have top and and bottom, you know, spectrum of, of of the right. So,
2: yeah,
1: depending on what side you are, sometimes actually, yeah, some some things on some people may be very far away from average, and on the very other end of of what you expect it to be. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, on this one, you're right. Sometimes, and and on, honestly, yeah, I do certain things that I still can't explain, but they're not major things. Not yeah. like you know,
0: no, no, not no, not major things. Injury, so usually drugs or yeah
1: yeah but some supplements so, or some food amounts or
0: so we've been on like for was, we've been on for an hour and a half and i got one so i'm happy got, <laughs> <laughs> um, is there um are you accepting clients right now is there a certain like, do you want people to dm you through instagram if they want to contact you or how do you want or you're not accepting clients right now no
1: i'm, I'm always i'm always happy to to accept clients and if, if again, if they're rational thinkers and they're willing to take time, I'm I'm always happy to to accept new clients. I have my email my email address on my Instagram account, detour, and uh, more than happy. It it yeah. it just makes me proud sometimes when I see how many people are interested in what I do. I never thought I would get to the point I am today, so I'm more than thankful for anybody who is interested,
2: mm-hmm. even
1: if we don't end up you know working together.
0: Yeah. Well, I have to say, Pat, it's, um, it's been pretty awesome talking to you. You're very, very knowledgeable and I still have like a million questions, but you know, I don't want to keep you for another two hours. So hopefully you'll come back on another time and, uh, we anytime, can, man.
1: anytime.
0: I can hash out my bro science versus your real science some more.
1: No, no. I never, I never, <laughs> I, never I never said that. I'm just joking. I'm just no, joking. No.
0: I'm just joking. No,
1: I, and again, Go ahead. Please, please don't don't think I, I know everything, and I'm making no it sound no like no. That. Shit, no, I'm just I'm I'm just one of, of yeah. like many, and trying to make sense of what I do. I just sometimes get a little passionate about what I what I think is yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's me, so I'm I'm not I'm not the Bible. I'm not God, and you know. So shit. Uh, no, absolutely. I'm just. I'm I just messing I, with it. I just, yeah. I just like I'm I'm just. I mean, bodybuilding is my life. That's all I do from when I wake up to I go to sleep. And I just get passionate and
2: and
1: yeah, yeah, sometimes it may sound a little arrogant, but it's absolutely not my,
0: no, not at all. I'm just being stupid, but I, um, I can hear the passion in your voice. I can tell when you're talking about it. I can see it in your clients. So no, no, no. It's, um, I think it's awesome what you're doing. So anyway, I, I hope we can have you again on another time and we'll talk more bodybuilding and help, and help educate some people some more. So.
1: Cool. Awesome. It was, it was it a was, uh, really nice talking to you for And uh, again, anytime anyone to do this, I'm up, I'm always here okay. to, to talk about bodybuilding. Thanks a lot. Sounds
0: man. awesome. Thank you very much for coming on Pat.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Bye-bye.